Hi, this is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Hey there, you've made it to the final interview of our series on Unsuitable in Work. Today, you're going to hear from Elise Moss. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Elise Moss is a singer-songwriter based out of Brooklyn, New York. Her style has been described as melodic acoustic pop with R&B and folk influences, earnest melodies over contemplative chords as if read from a diary. She has a background in classical violin and R&B music production, mentored under Orange Factory Music. She's also performed as a violinist for Rachel Platten. In this episode, Elise and I are going to cover a lot of ground. We talk about the ups and downs of her various experiences in the music industry, using her art to process relationships, juggling creative work and marketing, and how she integrates her faith into her work. I like how she reflects on challenges and mistakes very honestly. Before the interview starts, though, I'm going to play a clip of a song that's on Elise's brand new EP album, Tangerine Days, which you'll hear more about in the interview. So this is from a song called Are You Sure? Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Mary V. Thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so you are about to release an EP, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Your music journey. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to start off by asking what you're listening to right now. Right now, it's like I'm either listening to really melodic EDM. Mm-hmm. Like there's this like DJ named Griffin. I think he's pretty good. He has a lot of female vocalists. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also listening to some kind of like indie rock, which is more like like sad and raw. So it's a balance mm-hmm. of like polished and raw. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just helping influence um, how I write or how I sing, and just seeing how other people do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's I think really important when you're. Well, I mean, now that I'm writing words and not yeah. like in the music world anymore, mm-hmm. but e- even when I was in the music world, just listening to everyone that you possibly can yeah. all the time and just keeping track of what's coming out yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Even when like, usually I just gravitate towards one style, but if someone introduces me to a different style, then I'm like, oh, this is like another world and mm-hmm. another set of emotions and mm-hmm. characteristics of people. And I'm like, oh, I want to learn that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, So how did you get into music? What drew you to, because you started out not as Mm. a singer-songwriter, like you were writing, but you were also producing mainly, primarily. Yeah. Yeah. Mainly. I mean, well, when I was little, I don't know, I kind of had the stereotypical Asian background. Like I started playing the violin Mm -hmm. at three years old, but um, yeah, I lived outside of Philly. Um, so I happened to have a music producer who was like a soul 
Oh, sorry. I happen to have a neighbor. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just grew up. I just as a grew baby up having a, a music producer. <laughs> Don't we all oh just gosh. have a, just have one of those? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I had a neighbor uh-huh. who was a R&B soul music producer. He was like retired, and he saw me composing music on like like classical music on my piano. My brother's piano and he was like hey you have some potential why don't you try like making beats on my workstation so he lent me all his equipment and I started making more like um R&B pop hip-hop um, music and recording friends and friends of friends who can sing or rap mm-hmm. and I mean, at first it started sounding like karaoke music. <laughs> like, it was very really like, I don't know. It, over time, I would study like current hip hop and R&B music and pop music, like Ja Rule. <laughs> great, Amazing. solid reference. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, so that lasted through like high school for yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, it lasted through, it lasted through high school and... Yeah, I was I was just trying to be a producer because, like, even though I could come up with singing references for the singer to uh-huh. sing, um, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm not the the singer type because singer types are like they want to be the center of attention. They're yeah. like super girly and pretty, and yeah. that's not me. I'm just gonna like stick with what I'm good at because mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of girl. Right. So yeah, I just ended up running with that. Um, one of my singers called me up when I was in my first year of community college and while I was in Pennsylvania with my parents. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, my uh, my manager in New York wants to manage you. And um, so come up and move up here. And so I did. And my parents were really supportive. They were like, okay, this is your part of your education. Mm-hmm. Um, you can try it out for a year to get your foot in the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. So I tried to be managed by her and she did, it didn't really work out. Like I think it was like some weird scheme. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, "Wow, I live up here." Okay, so I started interning for a pop R and B music production company, uh-huh. and I think they helped me as as well as they could. But I realized you can't depend on an employer the same way you can depend on like a school system or like a teacher, yeah. like putting all that authority on someone, it can be abused mm-hmm. on their part. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I just follow what they do and work these like crazy hours and do whatever they say, maybe I'll be successful. And I realized people can abuse that. Right. And I didn't really have the discernment at the time. Hmm. So from there, you, it sounds like you took a step back. After yeah. that, you kind of did you have like a moment of realization where you're like, wow, this really isn't working. Mm-hmm. I want to do something else. Yeah. It was like I was really trying to network and I didn't know how to network really well. It just, even though I had the musical skills mm-hmm. to make things that people liked, like having the business skills mm-hmm. was something you kind of needed to survive. And like, yeah, it was a really male dominated, like, industry like R&B hip hop like right. I'm this suburban Asian girl who's <laughs> like hi I make beats <laughs> well, let's work together like uh, right. sure I'll charge for free yeah can you help me like it just was really I wasn't really equipped mm-hmm. so um the year was over that my parents supported me they're like you you really need to go to college and get a job as you're in college right. so I went to Baruch 
Okay. Um, tried to focus on my day job. Mm-hmm. Tried to be a, like a session violinist at the same time, and I was failing my classes, so I stopped um, doing violin mm-hmm. and just, yeah, focused on being a designer. Yeah, so you designer, like mm. graphic design. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I was a... Uh, at first, I was I went to Baruch because they had a music business program. Okay. Um, then I realized, you know, who knows if I'm really going to be in the music business. So mm. I was like, okay, advertising. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's a lot of math classes to get into that. That's really hard. Yeah. So I was like, design. <laughs> yeah. Because you can apply a lot of the principles of, like, music production yeah. with design. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's it needs to be dark and moody. Okay, use these elements to create mm. that. So... It was an easier transition. Enough of a crossover yeah. of skills you already had kind of picked up along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but now, obviously, you're back in music. You have this EP that's coming out. So yeah. what what brought you back? Um, so I was in like a maybe a three-year relationship focusing on totally my uh, design career and mm-hmm. that relationship. And then when it ended, I was really trying to find purpose and joy and something new that defined myself mm-hmm. that was not that relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, I just tried to learn the guitar and kind of put my poetry and journal entries into music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a way to process and make sense of the emotions in a way that I could learn from them. Yeah. So, yeah, as I... It was weird because usually when I would try harder in relationships they were not very fruitful Mm. but when I would try harder with music and it was kind of fruitful yeah (laughs) it was weird and I was like oh I think this is something that's good yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I love um I love music for that like just being able to and as a you know a creative like a writer doing what I do it's just it's so cool to have a way for you, for your brain and your heart and your body to kind of mm. process everything that's happening yeah. to just like take all of this pain and confusion and stuff that doesn't necessarily have an outlet and put it yeah. into something mm-hmm. else and just like channel it into something creative that yeah. ends up being like really cool yeah. or like really beautiful or yes. really, you know, it's, it's a really cool thing. It's, it feels like sometimes it could be, it's good in the way that I have somewhere to put that. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, wow, it turned out really beautiful. But then I have to try not to, um, if I feel bad from a relationship or something, I don't, I have to try not to dig deeper into the pain if I really should be trying to heal and learn mm. um, for the sake of a song. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not trying to like, force yourself to relive stuff yeah. when you're really like not in that place anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, That's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just learning to, or even if I don't necessarily feel that bad and I try to dig, like make it feel worse than right. it did to romanticize it for the song. Yeah. It's not a great idea. Yeah. For but, your yeah. mental health, but also, yes. I don't know. I feel like maybe it can help. I don't, yeah, this is something that, right, it can feel very manufactured. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that translates into yeah. your work. I feel like it probably translates into mine. And it, like, I don't know, it can be very frustrating to have to 
to feel like your work is so pulled and mm. so dependent on these feelings that yeah. are not necessarily gonna like you can't just make you them. can't just make them yeah. happen, right? Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for discipline, especially with writing and sitting down and oh. writing every day just to yeah. get something out there and to hone your craft and to learn um, and to keep yeah. yourself in a place where you can create mm-hmm. when you're not feeling just whatever that one thing. emotion you're used to. Yeah. Right. But I found that for me right now, maybe it's just because I'm still new, semi-new to oh. it. I've found that just, I don't know, when I am feeling it, when it's on my heart and on my mind and just like weighing on me yes. so heavenly, heavenly, LOL, <laughs> so heavily, uh-huh. you can just like churn out mm-hmm. like pages and pages yes. of stuff. I mean, in my context, no, right? Totally. It's like pages and pages of stuff as opposed to trying to force a feeling that's not necessarily there. When you don't feel that way. Yeah. I'm finding out, like, if I'm in the middle of something, it's been helpful to just, like, write and write and write, but then later on go back and make sense of it into into a song or lyrics, but not necessarily going into that when you're in the middle of it sometimes Mm. for mental health problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a really interesting balance of... Right, feeling it so you have like the authentic feelings that you're putting into it, but also Mm -hmm. having the distance that it's not just a like masochistic kind of process where you're just like everything is terrible and here it is on the page, (laughs) read it, yeah, (laughs) or listen to it. Yeah, the distance helps, yeah, and it helps. Um, if you're in any place of hope, Mm -hmm. it like injects a little bit of like there's not just, yeah, there's some sort of light at the end I promise (laughs) yeah 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 to write with that hope in mind it can be challenging sometimes sometimes well speaking of challenges can you tell me about a time that you uh felt unsuitable in your work slash career um Mm. particularly in maybe thinking about coming back to music and the challenges you were facing at that time yeah um I guess coming back to, yeah, coming back to music, even though I was like, oh, wow, this is fun, this newfound skill to actually be the one singing and and writing, I think I have a tendency to crowdsource Mm. um, every decision I have to make. Okay. And um, the problem with that is when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, if you were going down a path and then your other friend says, no, 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 you need to go this way. And then I'm never actually making progress, but mm. just moving laterally. Yeah. And I've had to learn to be like, okay, you really need to trust yourself on this. Like, at least like you are capable of making decisions. Like you have enough experience, you've done enough, mm. you know, you've had enough successes in life and other areas that you can discern what is a good next step mm-hmm. and you have your own good taste and you don't have to research from interviewing everyone or studying everyone else's music but um yeah I still have so many problems with that like every time I'm like all right I'm gonna do this promotional post on social media and then I'll send it to like a bunch of friends and be like yeah. oh my gosh does this look bad does this look fake does this sound spammy does this and I have to be like you know what 
let me just be me. Like, why am I asking my cool, like, 16-year-old cousin if this is a good way? <laughs> like, I don't talk like her. I can, I right. can be my, like, weird, awkward self, and I think that will fly better than something super, mm. like, cool and edgy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a hard line to walk because you do yeah. want to ask people who maybe have more knowledge and experience yes. with you, but also like thinking about your audience and mm-hmm. who is your audience and how are you going to speak to them mm-hmm. specifically, but also wanting to be true to your own voice and experience. Yeah. It's like a lot to juggle. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it can, um, it'll be a easier balance. I, I think slowly, I think slowly it's getting that way. And you've, talked about how this kind of created a paralysis for you. This like getting so much input that you just didn't and thinking about it so much that you just couldn't make a decision. Yeah. Um, And even in the process of getting your EP out into the world. Yeah. That was really, I mean, to be honest, I recorded this EP starting like maybe 2016. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. And between that, the year of recording to now, I was picking marketing plans, figuring out how exactly every granular step mm-hmm. um, and pulling back from it. And there was a point um, the end of last year where I was like, I'm not going to put it out anymore. I'm just mm. not. And I told my cousin, I'm going to just make new music because that's me now. And then my cousin, like, she's super supportive. And she was like, you know, this can this was you at a time mm-hmm. and it can be like a gallery of sad Elise, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily like artists always work on stuff way, way before they actually put it out. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, just learning that um, you can learn from um, you can iterate on each tiny move you make and you don't have to have it all buttoned up and perfect in your head before you start yeah. a process. And so that's why I did many singles before the EP because I was trying out a mini campaign for mm-hmm. each single. Like within a month, what works? Do I write to blogs? No, I don't write to blogs anymore because it was very like low response rate for me. Right, right. Like figuring out, um, oh, if you put this many hashtags, you're going to get banned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not going to do that anymore. <laughs> like things like things like that are learning how to talk on social media that doesn't, like, finding my own voice. Yeah, Yeah. and, like, figuring out what you're going to focus on and what you're going to let go. That's a really, really hard thing that I have been working through as well in my process. In what sense? For sure. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, I, like, have a very love-hate emphasis on hate relationship with social media. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that it's whatever, it's part of it's a necessary part of things. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's uh, yeah, I don't see it as a place where I want to really focus yeah. my time and energy yeah. because I don't think one, I don't own that platform. Yeah. And they can change their terms and conditions oh, totally. at any time and so oh I don't want to build a business based on that that's smart. Like, I don't, <laughs> but also like 
I don't know. It's so hard to do it in a way that feels authentic and feels, you know, I'm not, I mean, I grew up on a farm. Yeah. We had dial up until after I went to college. So technology and I are not like friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just don't feel like I have a strong connection to technology Mm. or even building relationships with Mm -hmm. people online. Yeah. It's a very like depersonalized experience yes. for me. Yeah. And so interacting with people that I've never met is sometimes can be, I don't know, just weird. Yeah. I just don't, don't feel connected to it. It's like artificial. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Like, is and this real? Yeah. Are you a real person? Are you a, per- are you a robot? Yeah. Cause like it could be a robot. That's a thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of, saying, okay, you know what? I am going to do this. I'm going to play this game because I have to right now. Do your due diligence. I'm going to focus most of my time and energy on the kind of content that Mm -hmm. is important to me and does um, speak to my audience, but also speaks to the type of voice and credibility that I'm trying to build. Mm -hmm. And that's not one that necessarily translates to an Instagram post all that well. Like It's a little bit more long form ish. Cause I mean, I'm writing yeah. a book, you know, so yeah. like, it's, it's not, a different type. it's, it's yeah. totally different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, learning to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this mm-hmm. and I'm going to put stuff out there, but I'm not going to like spend mm-hmm. hours and hours like engaging on Twitter mm-hmm. because that makes me positively insane. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to do my best. And until I have like the resources to maybe yeah. hire someone who mm-hmm. can do that a little bit more strategically. Yeah. It's not that I'm not strategic about it, but yeah. you know, just until I, I reach that point in yes. my business, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm just not gonna freak out about it or spend hours and hours trying to come up with the perfect caption. It's so, I'm just not gonna do that. It is time consuming. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the time that, I spend on marketing and promotion, mm-hmm. like it could have been spent on writing. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you've done, you've focused more on the content of like what you're actually doing, which is good. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I'm trying to learn right now. Um, maybe a way, my, my friend, um, I have a friend who's a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Her name is Efi, and she's a couple steps ahead of me. Mm-hmm. But she was she told me she was like there's nothing wrong with being the CEO and hiring like CEO of your own company right. and delegating and hiring out, but I for each like little hat in your yeah, company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still have to figure out what the CEO would be telling that hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that's my next step mm. so I can keep creating to be like all right, like social media person, we're going to have to do posts like this. Because right now it's super manual. Like I've used my graphic design background. Yeah. It's just one of the strengths I have with my day job. Right. To apply it to marketing. But yeah, that is hours and hours that could be spent on music. Right. So, or yeah. literally anything else. Yeah. It's... <laughs> it's uh, I mean, yeah. it's cool that you do have that design background. I like, yeah. I don't at all. And I'm, it's just, I'm yeah. still, like, I use Canva. You're yeah, Canva. I love Canva. I use Canva for <laughs> everything that I do. And I'm like, well, I think this looks I mean, fine. It you does look good. I, oh, thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is cool that you do. That is, 
um, a skill that you have that you can apply it. Apply it. But I feel like it'll probably be nice to get that off of your plate. Totally. As well. So um, let's talk a little bit about your EP. It comes out on the 30th, which is so exciting. It will have already (laughs) come out by the time this actually is released. Um, So that's exciting for you and for everyone who's listening. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the album? Sure. Um, It's, Mm. Okay, so the all the songs on the album, they're basically um, they're lessons I've learned from being in relationships. Mm-hmm. They're written mostly from, I guess, yeah, processing those emotional times and trying to make sense and figure out hope and lessons from those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was initially going to call the album like, Stages of a breakup. <laughs> then I was like, you know, that's a I little know. on the nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a little too literal. Yeah. And like, um, one of my friends um, was like, "Why don't you just name it like a line from one of the songs or one mm-hmm. of the song names?" So I named it "Tangerine Days," mm-hmm. which is one of the songs on the EP. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, "Tangerine Days" means. Um, I guess being nostalgic for those feelings of being in love are associated with magic hour, like when the sun is orange. Oh, yeah, okay. So that's where Tangerine Days comes from, being nostalgic for those really high emotional Mm. times of feeling in love. Yeah. Maybe you're not in love. Maybe it's love for your friends and family, for your life. But it's being nostalgic for those really high emotional times. So, Mm. yeah. That's awesome. So um, did this whole EP come out of that one particular breakup Mm. that you were talking about earlier? (laughs) I feel kind of Taylor Swifty right now, but (laughs) it wasn't just from one. (laughs) um, It's it's not necessarily they were like real, like year-long relationships, but it's every time like maybe um, I had some, I was dating someone and I just, I guess the type of person I am, I'm just open and I just go for, like, I just go for it. And that ends up hurting you really Mm. bad. Um, Trying not, I'm trying to not be, like, as much like that. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's even if, um, like, maybe one of the songs, like, Tangerine Days, it was from dating a guy, we never, like, really dated that long or, or anything, but it was just a new experience of like the slowness of the pace mm. from being friends to like sort of dating made it more meaningful than um, it made the end more hurtful mm. and meaningful because um, it was a different way of yeah. getting to know someone. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I and I feel like. Um, it's cool that it is, you know, a series of relationships that yeah. have kind of inspired all of these different songs because I feel like the way that you're processing them and and mm-hmm. writing music based on these relationships is an interesting way to to see patterns mm-hmm. and to really help you so understand that and to grow yes. like you were talking about and maybe something that you are working on moving forward is having some boundaries, yes. you know, like not boundaries. diving in 
too quickly, too yes, soon. That kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah, just learning like um, with boundaries, it's just not putting too much self worth in the other person. Mm. Um, I yeah. guess finding um, more of my meaning and confidence from myself, from God, from, um, yeah, just really learning to trust someone before, like finding out if it's a safe place to trust someone before mm. trusting so yeah, so fast. Yeah. Do you feel like you kind of um, get ahead of yourself in the sense of you're thinking really far ahead instead of being in the present moment? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. I mean, I feel that as well. Like, I don't really date very much, but mm-hmm. I find myself like, I don't know. I think it's, for me, it's part of my anxiety and part of my um, dysfunction that I've picked up along the way, for Mm -hmm. sure. But it's like, okay, well, there's this one moment or this, like, one date, and if it goes well or whatever, you're you're like... this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking Mm -hmm. about all the different contingencies and possibilities of, like, what if he's this kind of person? What if he's this kind of person? What if, what if, what if? What if it works out, and now I'm going to have to deal with all of this other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That's so where like they're just kind of the other person is just guys especially I feel like are not necessarily thinking like that (laughs) they're just there yeah and seeing where it goes I want to be like that right oh my gosh but I also go with the flow but I like how you kind of like took away like um you kind of normalized that feeling Mm. that it's yeah like it helped me to, at least the way you said it, like, it's not a shameful thing to have tendencies to go, to be like that. And yeah. Just to accept, like, that could be used with a lot of good things, like, yeah. for good things. And also that's when it could be, yeah, not for the best. Mm. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I find for me it's about a desire for control, mm. to control what is so unknown for mm-hmm. me and also control the mistakes that I've made in the past and yeah. figure out how can I prevent that from happening, even if they weren't like my mistakes, even if they're the other person's yeah. mistakes. Like how can I see that red flag control like what I'm doing in such a way that I will not make my own mistakes, but the other person mm. will also not make their mistakes, yeah. which is like not how relationships work, <laughs> I guess. But it's like you're trying to safeguard it <laughs> yeah. for like the best possible outcome. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, it's relatable for two of us at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like it's, it's like a personal therapy right? session. Right? <laughs> uh, I feel like it's probably something that um, a lot of people experience, mm. especially because, I don't know, um, relationships are really hard. Yeah. And I get really like lightheaded sometimes thinking yeah. about all of the figuring out how to communicate and just be with another person mm-hmm. who's bringing their own experiences yeah. and baggage and all of that to the oh, table. Yeah. It's like, it's, um, I think it's truly miraculous that it ever works out for anyone, Mm -hmm. especially in the (laughs) beginning when you're so unfamiliar with each other and there's so much uncertainty, like especially before you've said whatever, like become official or whatever, the DTR, DTR, whatever the kids are saying these days. I don't know. (laughs) That's how long it's been since I've had that type of conversation. But, um, (laughs) But 
yeah, there's just so much uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? And I then, uncertainty. and then, I don't know what you seem to be um, wrestling with mm. in the stages of the the breakup is this idea of feeling like okay, you've made it through that uncertainty and you're mm-hmm. dating or you're like mm-hmm. in a semi-solid place and then all of a yeah. sudden that's not there. And so thinking about how that maybe alters your future and what you maybe thought was going to be your future. Yeah, especially like if you had a lot riding on that situation. Yeah. situation. Right, especially if you're like three years in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm. That was a while ago. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, reinventing yourself and reinventing your life. It's it kind of sucks, but it feels invigorating. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like when decided you're in to it. bike and <laughs> Oh yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah, different life. Like you learn to find things that give you life again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you um briefly mentioned your relationship with God as being mm. part of um your getting over these breakups. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the role that your faith plays in your music? Um, yeah. Because um, you're not someone who writes overtly like praise music. No. It's, it's very much like, um, it's I don't want to say secular because like <laughs> art for me is not something that necessarily fully fits into that sacred secular mm. divide mm-hmm. and so it's music that's not like praise music yes. not overtly saying god and jesus every other line yeah. right so um yeah. what what does your mm. faith how does your faith express itself in mm. your, your art um well yeah i guess i i went to this class at redeemer a long time ago my church Redeemer, <laughs> just in case you don't know what Redeemer is. Um, and um, it was about being an artist as a Christian, being a Christian artist. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the teacher at the time was saying that, um, I guess, being a Christian and writing music doesn't have to just be all this, like, really saccharine, like, precious mm. precious moments you know like mm-hmm. those dolls that have those quotes yeah yeah with the big eyes yeah like yeah. um christian moments are not all those like they can be gritty mm. and god can meet you in those moments yeah and those dark moments kind of show how much um i guess how much we need god mm. and I also learned that being a Christian um, gives you another dimension to see uh, kind of like a dimension of hope because if you already know things will be made good in the end, in the future, you can look back at that sad situation and know that it doesn't have to be that way Mm. and that things can be better. I don't know if that really made sense. Yeah. But yeah, that was another thing. And also, I wasn't really sure how my music would really help anyone since it's Mm -hmm. digging into sad feelings. But for now, what I'm thinking is maybe it'll help people who haven't fully processed their emotions. Yeah. It would help them to bring it out. Yeah. And try to deal with it and maybe pull pull God into it, Mm -hmm. especially if... They're feeling they're at like rock bottom. 
I want to like somehow provide some sort of hope without being like sad, 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 but look at God. <laughs> but that's kind of where I want it to go, but right. not in an abrasive, like um, in your face kind of way. Yeah, like poking at certain things and guiding people to a place where God is just so present in those really yeah. raw moments, I find. Yes. Like that's where I feel most connected to him. Yeah, me too. Personally. And so I think anything that's asking those types of questions, it, not necessarily overtly asking questions, yeah. but you know, getting people to wrestle with those types of mm. issues and get them to a place where they're really connecting mm. on a deeper soul kind of level, mm-hmm. um, I think is kind of a, a stepping stone for, yeah. for faith and meeting God. I'd, I'd I'd hope that it does that, and that's cool. Like even just talking to you about it, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd like that. <laughs> but for now, like, I feel like doing music is like almost like a second chance from from God to find purpose somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. Um, two more things sure. for you before we wrap it up, mm-hmm. or I guess two more things. To wrap it up, yeah. Um, can you tell me one thing that's hard right now, and one thing that's great? Mm, um, one thing that's hard is providing critique <laughs> to people, to mm-hmm. friends. Um, just being honest, because for me, receiving critique is really hard. Like, I yeah. have to really like put my arm around and be like, put on a good face and be like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Hit yeah. me. Oh God. <laughs> But um, so providing it, um, I tend to be to, you know, when they say like provide, um, like tell things with truth and love, like I'm all love. And then truth is like somewhere like sandwiched, very Mm. small. (laughs) Um, So learning how to come up with critique and see it from, um, I guess, both ways like giving it and receiving it as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's so, yeah, that's very hard. So, <laughs> so hard. Yeah. Um, but my friends have been helping me and stuff. The crowdsourcing in that sense has been good. Oh, good, <laughs> good, good. Um, uh, so one thing that is great is yeah. that, um, learning how to collaborate, uh, with music and mm-hmm. friends and, um, I guess seeing the fruits of taking the next steps. Um, the fruit of that has been momentum. Mm-hmm. So as you keep taking those tiny steps and you learn a new thing, you're like, oh, I want to try that mm-hmm. next time. Mm-hmm. And that builds momentum. And it's so much better than um, the moments of waking up on a weekend and being like, I'm going to work on this, but I'm too scared. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to sit in my bed and not do it. Like, yeah. that is really hard. So um, the, the, the momentum, which is the opposite of that, has been good. Good. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, before you, before we sign off, mm-hmm. where and when can people listen to your EP? They can listen on any streaming platform. I guess iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. Just search for Elise Moss and you'll see my EP, Tangerine Days. Awesome. Elise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I really maybe. enjoyed our conversation. Me too. 
Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Elise Moss for the interview and letting us share some of her music. Theme music for this show is by Chad Rollinson, and the sound editor was Andrew Kim. Check back next week for a brand new feature of the Unsuitable podcast. It'll be a short episode where I'll walk you through some top insights from these past four episodes and share some wisdom with y'all about work and career and faith and unsuitability. If you have any thoughts or want to engage with this topic further, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, or you can go to my website, marybesafer.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to my newsletter. What that is, is you'll get an email from me every other Wednesday with an exclusive message and direct access to content and resources I think you'll love. You can also shoot me a message by clicking on contact me. And you can always head over to Instagram and follow me at maryb.saferit. That's all for now. See you next week.